Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Coming to you from the Circa Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Fun night in the NBA playoffs. If you like blowouts, <laughs> no sweat drama as both home favorites get the job done taking 3-2 series lead. The Heat blow out the 76ers, 120-85, to and the Suns, a 110-80 blowout of the Dallas Mavericks. And both of these games, well, the Heat game was over early. The Suns game was really over once the second half kind of started. And, you know, I, I stayed away, full disclosure, from both of these games. Because I was so torn on what to do. I wanted no part of the Miami Heat after what we saw in games three and four in Philadelphia. And it clearly looked like Philly was a different team with Joel Embiid on the floor, which we knew that. But the market pretty much told us that they felt the Heat and the Sixers were now on even footing. That these teams were equals. And the spread showed us that. In fact, the slight movement to the 76ers being two-and-a-half-point dogs as opposed to a three-point dog meant that the market was telling us that the Sixers were the better team. Because if all things are equal, if everyone's even... This is a pick them on a neutral floor, three points for home court, either way. So when it's Miami minus three, teams are equal. If it's Philly minus three at, in Philadelphia, teams are equal. Anything higher or lower, now you're telling us which team is actually better than the other one. And with the spread going to two and a half, it was, hey, Philly's the better team right now. Closed at three, so it's kind of equal. And Miami in this spot, the zigzag zig if you will of the being in a position as the better team the home team higher seed with home court advantage losing two straight it's got to be a huge bounce back spot to see those home teams win the first two at home 
lose the next two on the road, and then win again at home. It, it's just, look, it's the old cliche, right? A series doesn't begin until a team loses a home game. Well, here we are. No one's lost a home game. We have Suns, Mavericks, same thing. First two games go to Phoenix. Next two games go to Dallas. Game five goes to Phoenix. I lean Dallas in that spot just because of the defensive adjustments that they have made. And I've been so impressed. And I even said prior to this game that if you were to award a coach of the year for just the the postseason, that I would give it to Jason Kidd because of everything that this team had gone through with, yes, uh, losing Luka early on, and then the the defensive adjustments that they made in both their first-round series and in this series against the Suns, it's been darn right impressive. But seeing them now and and seeing them in this game, ah, they did not get the contributions that they got when they were at home. Dorian Finney-Smith was 2 of 5 from three-point range. That's a far stretch from the eight three-pointers that he made uh, in game four. Luka Doncic scored 28 points. Jalen Brunson had 21. And, like, that's it. They got four points from Kleber. They got nothing from Powell. Nothing from Bullock. Eight from Finney Smith. It's they need Dinwiddie scored just two points on O of three shooting. You know, they, they need more contributions from other players. And and this one got out of hand early, but like look at what happened in their last win. Just the contributions from from everywhere. Dinwiddie with 10 points, Finney Smith with 24. Kleber with 11. Yeah, Doncic had 26. Brunson uh, has 18. Bullock with 7. I don't know if they're capable of now winning and forcing this series back to Phoenix. This felt like a deflating loss. And, you know, it's interesting now. Phoenix is a two-point favorite in Dallas. And there really is no adjustment off of what we saw in games three and four. Phoenix was a three-point favorite in game four. So, if anything, little love towards the Mavericks here in a win or, you know, go-home situation. And for the Miami Heat, they are two-point dogs in Philadelphia. So there's been a clear adjustment where the market said that, hey, coming into this game number five, both of these teams were equal. In fact, maybe a slight edge to Philadelphia once this spread got to two and a half. Well, if everything's equal, then the Sixers at home should be three-point favorites. But they're only two-point favorites. Now the market is telling us that Miami is the better team. And they look like it here. Wow. 
And I, I, you know what my, uh, my fear is here? For Philadelphia, seeing Joel Embiid take that inadvertent contact to the face and go down in pain, it's got, it, it's got to mess with his head a little bit, right? You know, you don't want that to happen again. He was in a lot of pain. And I just wonder how it's, you know, it affects him playing in this next game. They get the benefit of being home. They'll feed off their home fans. But right now, the prospect of winning the next two games, it just seems a little daunting. Even though they have won two straight in this series before, it does seem uh, daunting. Right now, the Miami Heat are minus 380 to win the series. The Sixers plus 300. Suns are minus 700 to the Mavericks, who are plus 500. For the Miami Heat uh, to get the uh, win here, it would just be the money line in this next game where they are a two-point dog. Uh, Coming up on Wednesday, we have two more Game 5s. One potential closeout game between the Warriors and the Grizzlies, and one where the series is tied at 2-2. And if the games here on Tuesday were any indication of where the games here on Wednesday are going to go, you would think that Boston would be the side. And what the market is telling us here is that Boston is the better team. That Boston is two and a half points better than the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, in game one of this series, the Celtics were a five-point favorite. In game two, the Celtics were a four-point favorite. So there was the open market said, hey, Boston's two points better than Milwaukee. So then there was an adjustment after game one that said maybe, maybe they're a little closer. Why the adjustment? Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team that cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, just I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Because Milwaukee won that game one. So it goes to minus four. And the Celtics respond with a convincing victory. Series shifts to Milwaukee, where the Bucks are two and a half point favorites. Telling us that, okay, these teams are closer than what we had thought initially, but we're going to give a slight edge to the Celtics. And then to have Milwaukee as a one and a half point favorite in game four, even more of an indication that the market believes the Celtics are the better team, which right now they are. And the way that that Al Horford and Jason Tatum played in that fourth quarter, Giannis, to me, looked a little gassed during that game. It seemed like every time he hit the floor, he just stayed there to take a breath. Um, It would not surprise me if the Celtics won big and took a 3-2 series lead. And then, of course, the Warriors and Grizzlies. Unfortunately, with the John Morant news that he is not going to return for the Grizz with that bone bruise in his knee, I don't see this Grizzlies team winning this game and extending this series because I think there is an adverse effect of not having John Morant, and it goes beyond just what he brings to the floor. I think there's a mental aspect of this as well where the rest of this Grizzlies team knows that this series is over. Warriors are a four-point favorite in Memphis. I'm Scott Satterberg. Hit me up on Twitter, at Scott's on Air. Coming up next, we'll be joined by our very own Danny Burke as we continue the NBA playoff conversation and more here on The Look Ahead on BC. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Are you ready for a fresh start? And we mean a real fresh start with lasting change. Take the Zen 10 Challenge and change it the way you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in a variety of tastes and strengths, Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver smoke free and spit free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start is here. Take the Zin 10 Challenge today at Zin.com slash 10. That's ZYN.com slash 10. Zin nicotine pouches are only for adults 21 and over who currently use nicotine or tobacco. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. 
Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Someone that could use a fresh start is our next guest, our very own Danny Burke, the host of Rush Hour here on the network, as well as the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Danny, a, uh, an incredible value ticket on the plus 825 live on the Oilers, but they lose in overtime and. The best sound in the world is <laughs> that was me ripping up a ticket, by the way, for the radio audience. What's up, man? Oh, man. You know, Scott, I'm doing well. And you're right. I mean, I saw this incredible value. They were down a goal and there was like six minutes left. And I was like, this is just kind of absurd that I'm getting this much value. So, hey, I'll take a flyer on it. And lo and behold, they tied up off the power play. And then the Oilers just being the classic Oilers, a team you can't trust whatsoever, lose it immediately in overtime. And it's like typical overtime rules from back in the day. So the fact that they managed to lose it that quickly is honestly impressive at this point. So, uh, you know, we'll take what we can get. It, it was decent value despite the loss, but uh, yeah, man, how about these Kings? I mean, this series is hard to handicap itself and Los Angeles is just putting up a fight night after night. You know, it's amazing. It's like um, they fired Dave Tippett during the season. They bring in Jay Woodcroft, and I'm wondering if a guy by the name of Barry Trotz, who just got fired in uh, in New York, could be the next man behind the bench there in Edmonton once this playoff run ends. Yeah, look, I mean, Edmonton is a team that's just loaded with talent offensively. Now, they do need to address the goalie situation at some point, but it's just one of those teams, and you kind of always have it in every sport, it seems, where it's like, you are so frustrating. You have all of these pieces here, yet again, you're unreliable. You should be a lot better than you are, and you just can't put it together consistent, uh, consistently. Like you said, hey, maybe they're a good head coach away from doing so. But I know around these parts, people are kind of uh, vying for trots to make his way to the United Center. Not that that'll <laughs> actually come to fruition, but I know that a lot of Blackhawks fans would be happy with that if that were the outcome. Well, yeah, and you'd get somebody besides Mike Smith in net for the Oilers, and, and we'll see what happens. I thought they should have went with Koskinen, but hey, mm -hmm. not my decision. I'm not coaching. All right, from the Stanley Cup playoffs to the NBA playoffs, we go. How surprised were you by the outcomes of both of these games here on Tuesday night? Both blowouts with the home teams taking the 3 2 series lead. I'm not surprised that Miami won the game, but I am definitely, you know, more on the perplexed side that it was by this big of an amount. I mean, the way that the heat were shooting in those last two road games was just atrocious, especially in game four. And yeah, you knew that they were going to bounce back at home and you figured the Sixers could at least keep it close. And we saw the market kind of move that way. I saw the spread get as low as two and a half, but again, I mean, for them to win 120 to 85, that kind of blew me away as I'm sure it did with a lot of people. And now it just makes this series even more confusing, Scott, because, you know, this is the classic back and forth home and road type of split thing. But if you're Miami, how do you go at home? I get there's a home court advantage, but that slightly diminishes. We progress just really throughout sports in general. So how are you going to go to win 120 to 85? Then probably either barely win if you do at Philly or you <laughs> lose the game. It just makes it so hard to bet. And I do think Miami is the better team. I do think they have the better coach, more depth, all of the above. 
But again, you saw how poor they played on the road. So I don't know what the hell you can expect there. I'll be curious to see what those lines are. I'm, I'm sure some are out right now. But I mean, Scott, you know, again, I, I'm not shocked they won. I'm shocked by the amount. The Suns and Mavericks game, that one I, I think is is the lesser surprising one, right? I mean, the Suns, you figured they were due to bounce back. Uh, 110 to 80, we're seeing the final here. And the Mavericks are a team that, yeah, they can compete with people from time to time. But speaking of lack of depth, uh, that's not going to hold up over the course of a seven-game type of series against this deep Suns team that was just eager to chomp the bit after all of the narratives that were driven from the two road games, from just Chris Paul in general and everything happening with his family. And then, you know, all, all the nonsense going on, you figured the Suns were due. So that wasn't shocking for me to see Phoenix go out there and dominate. Yeah, look, look you got Miami. Uh, the Sixers are a two-point favorite in uh, game six. You mm. got the Suns as a point-and-a-half favorite in their game six. I love Phoenix to close this thing out. I think Dallas gave it all that they had. They won those first two games in uh, you know, games three and four in Dallas. But I think this is where the series comes to a close. Their fans will give them a nice standing ovation. Thank you for a wonderful season. But I think this run is over. I agree with you, actually. Yeah, knowing that it's that short of a spread, and rightfully so, based on what we've seen Phoenix do or lack thereof on the road against Dallas. But you're right. it It's kind of one of those momentum things. And at this point in the series, you're like, all right, yeah, Dallas, hey, you put together two good games. You did what you could, but at the end of the day, the better, deeper, more experienced team in Phoenix is going to come through when it matters. So I'm in agreement with you, and yeah, I'll probably end up playing that, knowing that the spread is that short. We'll still be interested to see where that market moves, but I think you're on the right path. And I was kind of talking about it a little bit today on Rush Hour, Scott. I'm curious your thoughts a tad bit, but you know, the news with John Morant being out, you know, Golden State's about a four-point favorite for this next game. And I get that the Grizzlies have done well without John Morant this season, and they did very well the last game despite not getting the win. But it seems like this would be a good relatively by-low spot on the Warriors. But again, the Warriors are just like, I don't know what's going on. They're historically shooting so poorly. But at some point, you would think they could figure it out. And I'm kind of just tempted to lay the four, or if you get a better money line price with Golden State in this spot to close it out. Well, they are 12-0 and in the playoffs all time with uh, Mike Brown as the interim head coach. So looking to make <laughs> it 13-0 as he fills in once again in Memphis. But Danny, I think that uh, without Ja, and I, and I mentioned this a little bit going into the break, I think it's more than just his on the court, what they're going to miss from him on the court. And yes, you could talk about how much better their defense is without mm -hmm. him and things like that. Yes, you miss a closer for sure. And down the stretch here, they got outscored. What was it, eleven to two or eleven to three at the end of the game? And the only three was because of uh, the Dylan Brooks half court heave. So they had no one down the stretch to take the key shots for them, and they definitely missed that. But what I think is a bigger issue. Uh, tell me if you agree. With him not not playing, whether it's his decision, the doctor's decision, or the team's decision, it's got to be a psycholo It's got to have a psychological impact on the rest of the players, because if you know, there's got to be this 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 idea that maybe they know the series is over, and they know the season is over, and so that's why they're not pushing John Morant to play. Because you don't want him to be injured any further. He's young. You want to protect his body. You don't want him to have to have off-season surgery or whatever. And they just know, hey, we're not winning this series. That's it. We're not rushing him back. Because if maybe if they felt that they had a chance to win this series, 
maybe Ja plays and they don't put it out there that he is doubtful to the return for the remainder of the playoffs. Because I look, I'm not gonna, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not gonna question anybody's pain tolerance, but when they say a bone bruise doesn't seem like something that is gonna keep him out for the remainder of the playoffs, right? I just think they under I, I think that there's maybe something psychological here where the rest of the players under like kind of get the sense that hey the team is acknowledging that the the series is over does that make sense no i i definitely get what you're saying and i think if we saw the outcome go differently in that last game yeah maybe they do try to get john morant out there back at home even more so i you know i guess i wouldn't say it'd be fully giving up because they've been in pretty much every game except for what was it game three but um, I, I think on the path of what you're getting to in terms of what the psyche may be, I think that, again, going to maybe trusting the Warriors, the Grizzlies players themselves, maybe they don't know what happened. Maybe they do know what happened. But either way, they know that they completely went all out, had the chance to win that game four, and still fell short. And now that they for sure know that Morant is really not going to come back, I think that could absolutely have kind of that psychological yes, impact. Yes, because th- there was it, the idea that, hey, if we even right. up this series – it's 2-2, and we're going to get Ja back at some point. Now it's right. we're down 3-1, and we're not getting him back. And that's exactly. got to affect you negatively. A hundred percent. And that's why I'm kind of, you know, again, just getting very eager to look at this short spread with Golden State. And it's like, how long can they keep shooting so poorly? And how much can the Grizzlies rely on their team without John Moran in the most important games of their season? So, yeah, I get what you're saying. And I think that leads to trust in the Warriors to close this thing out, man. Danny, always appreciate the time and the conversation. We'll be listening and watching to Rush Hour and catching you on the CityCast as well. Hey, appreciate you, Scott. Keep up the great work, man. Love those baseball bets. Thanks. We'll do. There he is. Danny Burke, host of Rush Hour, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time right here on VSIN. And also catch the Chicago CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. This is The Look Ahead with me, Scott Seidenberg, here on VSIN. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Spring Special is here. For only $59, you get everything VSIN has to offer from now until the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at vsin.com, and subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. Jonathan Von Tobel will have his best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil will break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VSIN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Points Red Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at vsin.com slash spring. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VCNV Sports Betting Network. Joining us now, our very own Dave Ross, who you catch all across the network here at VCN, as well as First Strike, our combat sports podcast. Be sure to check that thing out where uh, they're just handing out winners like it's candy. Uh, Dave, what's going on, man? Thanks so much for uh, for joining us as always. And Let's talk real quick about the fights. Let's recap this. What a weekend, man. Canelo loses. Oh, Rose loses. Wow. 
What was going uh, on? UFC 274, and I uh, appreciate the plug for First Strike. And by the way, uh, already First Strike's first look is up right now that I did with Reed Kuhn. And Reed and I were talking about it. Not our, we have been red hot on the First Strike uh, pod uh, each and every week. This is one of those off weeks that we had at UFC 274. Part of it was what you mentioned, Rose Namajunas. Uh, I was certainly on the side of Rose. And Scott, I can't be too upset that they gave the split decision win uh, to Carla Sparza here, as she is now the new 115-pound champion. The problem for me was the cornering. And, you know, Trevor Whitman is uh, basically trains both Justin Gaethje and Rose Namajunas, and then Pat Berry, of course, who's Rose's uh, fiance. I'm not sure if they're married yet. He kind of takes the lead vocally in the, in the corner during the fight for Rose. But really, it's Trevor Whitman. These are, these are pupils of Whitman. And, and to me, I regard him as maybe the number one coach who also has, of course, Kamaru Usman. So normally those fighters, uh, I just trust them and their pedigree and their smartness inside there. And I could not believe in the Rose fight against Carla, the way they were cornering her. Like, you know, hey, you're doing everything great. No, no problem. She can't touch you. Well, yeah, that's true. But you also have to touch your opponent. And so Carla Sparza gets one takedown. And that's enough to get a split decision victory. I mean, it was embarrassing, Scott. It's the worst non-combative mm. title bout that I've seen in a combat sport. I mean, you you just you've got to step in there at least with Bevo and Canelo. You know, you know, Dimitri took the fight to Canelo, and yes, that fight was closer on the cards, one sixteen, one thirteen. And yeah, I know a lot of people were upset that it was that close, but the bottom line is at least the judges got that right. With some of the split decisions that went against some of the fighters that both Reed Coon and I had this week on first strike, highly debatable, but when you let it go to the judges, and Reed did a real good job of breaking this down today on today's episode, you know, it's it doesn't go your way all the time. And when judges, three of them, sit octagon side and they can't even forget about, you know, two out of the three going one way, they can't even get together on, on which rounds yeah. they thought those fighters won. You are really putting it in your money in the hands of judges that might not be watching the same fight you did. So I'm not too upset with the decision because I thought Rose could have easily just done a little bit more and she would have retained the belt. I'm more upset with the cornering. And Justin Gaethje in the main event against Charles Oliveira, when you've got a guy that missed weight with a bad weight cut, you've got to extend the fight. You can't go that out there guns blazing in the first round. And, yes, you almost got two different stoppages of Charles Oliveira. And then you just let him right back up and you start over. You never took advantage when you knocked down Oliveira twice. Hop into his guard. I know you say, well, I don't want to go down there into his guard. You're a great wrestler. And you could have worn out and stacked out the gas tank of Charles Oliveira. I thought for the life of me, that's what Trevor Whitman was going to say. Show some patience like you did against Tony Ferguson when he cleaned his clock in a five-round bout. You can do that if you just extend the fight a little bit longer. He didn't do it. And then, of course, Oliveira shows his greatness in getting that sub in the first round. It was certainly uh, a wild weekend uh, in the fight, man, for sure. Uh, now, the NBA playoffs—you've been—you uh, have an interesting strategy when it comes to betting this. You've been doing more half bets as opposed to betting yes. the full game side. Talk to me about that. Yeah, it's been profitable here as of late. I loved Miami today, laying the point and a half. And, and the, what I'm really seeing, Scott, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how big home court advantage has been here uh, throughout these NBA playoffs, especially as we're getting deeper into them. And I had, I had a Boston, excuse me, I had Milwaukee yesterday in the first half, lay and a half. 
and that got tight, and they had to come back, and they 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 win it by uh, by you know winning the first half by one point, covering the half. And I had Dallas tonight getting a three and a half, and they you know down three, but we covered that number by half. So I'm trying to find situations where. I really think they're going to put their best foot forward. Even though I didn't love Milwaukee in the game and Boston came back and won the game, I thought they'd come out early, and they did. They led by at least seven after one and held on in that second quarter. Uh, Miami never really headed today. I did expect maybe Philadelphia to bounce back a little bit in the second half. So sometimes I'll get a, bit, a little bit greedy here and hop in on some of those second halves after I hit those first halves. But second half unders have been strong plays here, especially as we get deeper into series here. Uh, and, you know, certainly tonight those – it did at least held uh, form in the Dallas game here. That game was easily under as the Mavericks offense was uh, non-existent in the second half. The second half over did cash for uh, Philadelphia and Miami. But, you know, now we're going to go back, like let's say Boston tomorrow night against Milwaukee. And I look at that game total, five and a half feels a little bit, uh, a little bit heavy for me, to be quite honest with you. I kind of like Milwaukee in the spot. So I'm probably going to talk myself into Milwaukee first half here because I just believe Again, they're going to come out. Can they sustain it for all four? Maybe, maybe not. But I certainly think they can be there for a half. Bucks uh, plus three for the first half mm-hmm. against the Celtics. And then how about the Warriors-Grizzlies? The Warriors, two-point oh, favorites boy. in the first half and uh, four-point favorites for the game. No John Morant, of course. No, and I was all over Memphis uh, without John Morant there in the last game, and that was very profitable. They just seemed to play better defense without John Morant. Now they're back home. Look, without John, it looks like he's going to be gone. I think this is going to be the last game uh, for Memphis going forward. I just really think Golden State, there's a little attitude with them right now with this young team, with the, with the Memphis Grizzlies. And you saw it a little bit at the end of the game. And they're very emotional uh, for, you know, champions like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson who have multiple rings. And, you know, they, they know what it feels like. And it feels like they, they sense that Memphis is trying to get physical with them and, you know, maybe talking to them a little bit earlier in the series. I think Golden State's going to go out tomorrow. I'd be surprised if they didn't kind of put them to sleep quickly in this one. Probably going to end up backing Golden State in that first half as well. I just think right now without Ja, yeah, they, they do defend better, and I love them in the spot on the road. I don't. I think their heart might have got taken at the end of that one. If they couldn't get game four, it's really going to be a tall order to expect them to stay in this one in game five without Ja. I think that there's a psychological, I talked about this with Danny Burke last segment. I think that there's something mental that, that comes into play here with John Morant not playing. Like, like there might've been an idea of, Hey, in the last game without him, Hey, we're playing without him for the first time, first game here. Okay. But if we can win this game, it's a two, two series yep. and we're getting job yep. back. Now it's a three, one series. Only 13 yeah. teams in NBA history have come back from three, one down. Although one of them was against the golden state warriors, but still it's very, very, very rare. And now you find out that this guy is not coming back. So all that, you know, positive attitude about, Hey, let's get a win because Jaws coming back is now gone. And I think shifted towards the negative. I think it has an adverse effect on them. I agree. And I, you know, Desmond Bain just hasn't been the same guy. He's not healthy either. So once you lose Ja, you really need somebody like Desmond Bain to step up. And he has not been great so far in this series. I just feel like there's too many positives for Golden State and too many question marks right now for Memphis. And speaking of question marks, when you watch Philadelphia play tonight, I got to be honest with you, I'll be looking at Miami in the first half uh, in the closeout spot here on the road in game six on Thursday night because Scott – 
you know, I just keep looking at James Harden, and I know we're always going to focus on Embiid, and we should. And he was—he had a very pedestrian game, 17 points tonight. Harden had 14. You know, if, if you get the great James Harden like you got in game four, you got a shot. But if, if he just plays like this, this is the, the real James Harden. Is the guy you're seeing now too many nights, 14, 17, 16, teens, not even getting 20. For, for one of the preeminent scores we've seen in our lifetime. So when you don't get that, and Joel clearly is still compromised here, uh, I got to be honest with you, there's so much dog in Miami and led by Jimmy Butler. I think I would be hopping on Miami to close that thing out in Philadelphia in game six. And I know going back home, it's been profitable so far for Philadelphia. Something happened tonight. It was a real bad look. Uh, for, and when I hear Doc, excuse me, Glenn Rivers, when I hear Glenn Rivers hmm. in post game just saying, I need effort out of our guys in the playoffs? Yeah. Your head coach that's has got to ask for effort? God, what are we talking about? <laughs> Dave, hang with me. Let's get into a little Major League Baseball coming up next. He's Dave Ross. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN. VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, rejoined by our very own Dave Ross. Catch him all across the network here on VSIN, and as well as First Strike, which First Strike, First Look, available now, vsin.com slash podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, let's talk baseball here, Dave. I know uh, you had the Yankees on uh, this day, and they walked off winners against the Blue Jays in what was a wild game in the Bronx. Yeah, absolutely crazy. And look, as a Metropolitan fan, I normally don't like to admit publicly when I put money in the Yankees, uh, but it did cash. Now, again, I kind of like Big Seb today, and he got roughed up early in this one. Uh, and the Yankees really, it's a lack of offense, except for the fact that when they get a couple guys on in the middle of that lineup and you get the Stanton and the judges, you got a shot. And three-run homer ties this thing after they were down 3 nothing, then they're down 5-3 and walk it off with a three-run shot in the bottom of the ninth by Judge. You know, it, it is interesting because we talk a lot with Will Hill each and every Tuesday in the Lombardi line. Had Will on today again today. And, you know, in the offseason, you really looked at the Yankees and thought, did they do enough? Like, did they do enough? And I believe now they're 21-8 and eight after this walk-off win tonight. And it didn't feel like they did. And I understood why everybody was on Toronto, and, and certainly Tampa Bay is always in the mix, but – Boy, the Yankees right now, it feels like everybody last year that had average years for them, they're going to start to be the players that we thought they were. So I think Brian Cashman, I can't believe I'm going to say this, kept his powder dry and said, if I need to strike, I'll strike at the break. And this gets into future totals here. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. 
Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game winner ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. game. <laughs> Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Uh, for the Yankees and going forward, if you really do think uh, that they've got the stamina here to go the distance uh, toe-to-post in the AL East, they're going to get help if they need it. Cashman didn't do a whole lot in this offseason. So remember that when we get closer to the trade deadline, you know, some teams like, say, my Metropolitans, they went out and and spent everything uh, in the offseason to get this team and get it where it is. The Yankees really didn't do that. So remember teams that really didn't make a whole lot of splashes in free agency and maybe got criticized for it. And remember, that doesn't mean they can't make a move before we get to the all-star break uh, here in in, in about a month's time when we start talking into, into June and July. So I really think the Yankees with this great start, they've positioned themselves to be a player that you can say consistently, yeah, in the futures market, I might back them. And uh, right now they've been very profitable, obviously, with this great start. After really not hitting the ball the first couple weeks of the season, they're starting to, maybe not in bunches yet, but the home run ball certainly is back in, in vogue uh, in the Bronx. Well, it's the also the starting pitching. The rotation has yeah. been unbeatable. Believable. Um, before Nestor, before on Monday, Yankee starters had a two seven nine ERA, um, wow. and then the numbers went even lower because of Nestor Cortez's, uh, you know, almost <laughs> no hitter. Um, so it's just been incredible the way that this Yankees rotation has been throwing the ball, and we all know how good their bullpen is. So if they keep pitching like yeah. this, um, they are mm-hmm. a dangerous, dangerous team. Um, speaking of. No hitter. Reed Detmers throws a no no for the Angels. And man, you know, what a what a performance. And it is it is I don't, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it I can't think of the word right now. All I'm just gonna ask sure. you is there something wrong with me that yes, uh, <laughs> congratulations with the no hitter, but all I'm thinking about is can't wait to fade the Angels tomorrow. Well, that, you know, Anthony Rendon goes up against a position player, and he bats left-handed for the first time in his career, and he hits a home run. I mean, like, you know, like crazy things are happening right now with the Angels. Rendon doing that. You're getting a no-no today from the rookie lefty. 
But, you know, this is a team you and I talked a lot about before the season began. And this is one of those teams that we identified, both of us, that we thought would really be ready for a big bounce back. And part of my handicap for the Angels and why I like them so much coming out of spring training was one guy in particular, and that's Joe Madden. Yep. I just feel like this is a guy that I can trust. I don't know how long that'll last, but it certainly worked in Tampa, clearly worked in Chicago to end a curse there. And it feels like Joe Madden, wherever he goes for the first three, four years, it just, he figures it out. He manages his ball club perfectly. And then when you go get Thor, Noah Syndergaard in front of that rotation and go up with Shohei Otani, Mike Trout's back being Mike Trout. Rendon is now hitting again. My goodness, do they feel dangerous. So, yeah, you might fade them tomorrow. But I do think they've got some staying power here in the West. And I know, like, our own Jonathan Montobel, maybe he's going to start believing in this team as well. And I know there's been a lot of years maybe Lucy pulls the football from this squad. I don't think so this year, Scott. I know the Astros are hot again. Here they come. But I'm telling you, the Angels are going to be there. And I'd be really surprised we're still not talking about this team come playoff time. Yeah, it's amazing. They were one of the teams that I absolutely, you know, uh, had picked before the season started. And I regret mm-hmm. not getting involved on them. I got involved on them in the futures market in terms of some player awards, uh, you know, with yeah. Noah Syndergaard and, and, and uh, with Trout and, and things like that. But um, we'll see what happens here. Otani's pitching tomorrow against Shane McClanahan. So if there's a game for the Rays to win. It is with McClanahan on the hill. Granted, it is against Otani. But I'm just, look, there's been, and I got to go back and track this now, but we saw the Mets have a no-hitter combined, albeit, but the Mets had a no-hitter earlier this month, uh, in, in this, this season in April, and the following day, Phillies win 4-1. to one. So mm-hmm. I'm just, listen, uh, and, I, I, and you're getting plus money with McClanahan? Plus, plus, plus money with McClanahan. Yeah. And I just think there could be, this could be some champagne bottles opened up tonight. Oh, sure. Could be, uh, you know, you some you late celebrate. dinners. And, uh, you know, could be uh, Shohei Otani's not really used to this. Uh, uh, so maybe um, maybe the team, you know, kind of drags him out tonight to celebrate. And he's got to start tomorrow. And, I don't know. I just think that it, this all points to a uh, a raise win here on Wednesday. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. The first guy that's, uh, well, I'm sure Joe Madden right now has had at least one glass of wine, if not several. So, uh, good point. Look, these guys should celebrate tonight after what you do uh, out there getting that no-hitter. And this team does have a different feel. But you're right. Historically, that next day, that, that, that alarm clock goes off a little bit sooner than you'd like. Uh, when you have to get be at the ballpark. And, yeah, they're professionals. But outside of Shohei, let's see how long he goes tomorrow because it would be an interesting lineup potentially that Joe Madden runs out there after whatever uh, festivities they have tonight. I think it's a great handicap. And Tampa's going to be rubbed a little bit the wrong way after getting no-node uh, today. It's still a pretty good ball club and McClanahan out there. Yeah, I think all things might point to Tampa Bay tomorrow. And I might even think about playing them in the first five. Yeah. Oh, first five could be good as well. Get, you know, maybe mm-hmm. take maybe take a plus a half a run, lay a little juice. You know, for that. Uh, I'm just starting to go. I'm starting to go back uh, through like the handicap now. Last season, the last no hitter was Corbin Burns, uh, who went eight innings, and Josh Hader finished that off in the ninth for the Brewers. And mm-hmm. the next day, the Brewers did win big. Ooh. So congratulations for that. And I'll just do one more. I'll go back. Let's see. So it was okay. August fifteenth. 
for the Diamondbacks, and that would be after the Tyler Gilbert uh, no-no. Right. Remember Tyler Gilbert threw the no-no for the Arizona Diamondbacks against the Padres, mm-hmm. and uh, the following day, the Diamondbacks lost to the Padres, eight, eight to two. Okay, yeah, and again, I mean. It's Tampa, right? I mean, it's, it's still a really good ball club there. And when you get no-no like that today against the rookie, no, no doubt, and then you got Shohei and feel like everything's up against you, yeah, that might be a really good spot to dip in on Tampa. Let me ask you about the futures market. Anybody here that you are – forget about the Angels because they're one that's very attractive. Okay. But uh, real quick, mm-hmm. you got the Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, Blue Jays. They lead the way. But behind them – Brewers, Astros, Braves, Padres, White Sox, Rays, any of those teams pique your interest? You know, the Brewers are still the one team to me because the bullpen with Hader and he shut it down today against the Reds, although the Reds did come through for me. I uh, taking that run line with a, a run and a half. I like to do that certainly with home teams uh, a lot more as, as home dogs. Uh, you know, I still believe because the back end of the bullpen is so good and the starting pitching is so good. It, it is the bats that worry me because they feel like one of the teams, Scott, that when they score, they score in bunches, but they can have, you know, a three or four game stretch where they might score three or four runs total. So that is the only area of concern I have about this ball club because the pitching is so good. Certainly uh, starting pitching in the bullpen. I don't have any doubts there. And once we get to the postseason. And the Brewers are going to win that division barring injury. I just, I, you, no disrespect to St. Louis, but I think that's going to be Milwaukee's division to win. And when they get into those short series, they can rely so much on the pitching. They don't need the bat. They don't need to score six runs a game in order to win. They can score four and probably be that's pretty good, good in the postseason. Dave, I appreciate yeah, I the conversation, I man. I appreciate Absolutely. the time. He's Dave Ross. I'm Scott Seidenberg here on V. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 